Hi, I'm Mick Cronin and this is What's Your Cause, a podcast in which I interview a variety of guests about a cause that is close to them, something they feel passionate about. I want to start conversations that educate, inspire and shine a light on causes around the globe that can or are having a significant social impact. But here's the kicker. Each guest will nominate the next and become a chain that will lead from my very first guest to my last and ultimate guest of season one, Barack Obama. Got your attention? Thought I might. Hello and welcome to episode five of What's Your Cause? In the last episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Seth Maxwell. I hope you enjoyed that. What an inspiring um, gentleman he is doing incredible work. Um, And Seth, on the back of that, nominated my next guest, which is Ziad Ahmed. Keeping on the team of people doing great things young, Ziad, at 14 years of age, this young man, um, founded a non-for-profit called Redefy. He wasn't done there, though. At, uh, I think in 2016, he then, with a group of colleagues, founded Juve Consulting, in which he is the CEO now. And that's a purpose-driven Generation Z consultancy that works with clients to help them reach young people. It's worked with over 500 businesses, and on the back of that, he has been named to the Forbes 2019 30 Under 30 list. Ziad has also uh, worked for the U.S. Department of State. He's worked for Hillary Clinton on the 2016 campaign. And he has been invited to the White House, no less, for dinner with Barack Obama. You can see him on multiple TED Talks. And he is just a really brilliant young man who's done amazing things. He's now 23 years of age, so he could be forgiven for actually nearly thinking of retiring because he's probably done more in that 10 years than most people can do in a whole career. But he's very humble, and you'll hear that in the episode. Um, he doesn't like to, you know, talk too much about or think too much about the impacts that he's had, but he has to me, from the outside looking in, become a voice of his generation and a very, very important young man in challenging social injustices and just really being an advocate in that space as well. So, I'm not going to go into too much more because you'll hear all the amazing stuff he does um, and why he does it more to the point. So, with that, let's get to the interview. So, Zian, welcome to Watch Your Cause. Thank you for having me, Mick. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, look, I'm thrilled to have you. And and uh, as you know from this, the, the concept in the podcast, you were nominated by Seth Maxwell. My favorite person alive. Yeah, he's an incredible person, very generous with his time. And we had a, a lovely conversation about the amazing work that uh, that he does. And then he um, was very quick to kind of put you as the next person who he felt would be who I should talk to. So, Ziad, what's your cause? It's a big question, my friend. Um and transparently, I think something that I I, uh, I I think about often, right, insofar as I think that it's probably evolved and still evolving. But if I think about, like, the root of it, like, what's my cause? I mean, like, as, like, cheesy and trite as it sounds, like, I, I hope, right, to leave the world a little bit better than I found it in some way. But I think more specifically, um, a lot of my work has been centered around this idea that I believe the expert on any reality is the person closest to that reality. And I think the world looks better when we hear from more voices. And I think the world looks better when we are representative of the communities that we care about, right? Um, in leadership, right? And, and, and when we follow the lead of the folks most affected, right, on issues, I think we're a lot closer to solutions, right? And so a lot of my work has been about this idea of how do we empower more diverse young voices to have a seat at the table? And how do we build community 
to hopefully work towards solutions and work towards telling stories that make more people feel empowered and heard and seen and inspired. And I really believe in the power of community. I believe in the power of storytelling and I believe in the power of equity, right? In so far as not just including more diverse voices, but meaningfully giving voices decision-making authority and power and redistributing of power such that, you know, the current hegemonic power structures that exist are challenged, are, are disrupted, and such that we hopefully have leadership that, that instills more faith and instills more hope in all of us. I think what I think most people, if not all people are feeling is that the, the current status quo isn't working, right? Um, and, and so I guess my cause is to disrupt that status quo um, through following the lead of diverse young people around me who are far smarter, far more compassionate than I, um, and to learn as much as I can along the way in community with as many people as possible. When you talk about young people, obviously... You I know, know I'm getting old. You're right. I have this beard. Like, he's like, what, what are you talking about? You're clearly not young. What is this beard? I think it's funny because you're an old timer, I reckon, in this. And what age are you? I'm 23. Yeah, but you've been going since you... Like, you st- I, like, you know, just from, you know, knowing about you, like you kind of really got into starting that with um, Redefy when you were like, what, 14 you, years ago? You've done your homework, my friend. You've done your homework. Not too much, but I, I do a little, um, but yes. Yes, that's correct. I have been doing this, whatever this is, for a decade. Yeah. Um, and maybe it shows on my face a little bit. Uh, I, I, I'm certainly more tired and jaded than I once was. But yeah, I mean, I, I started Redefy, which, you know, um, became a nonprofit, but you know, it was initially just an organization amongst young people. Um, when I was at the end of eighth grade, beginning of ninth grade, is when we formally launched almost a decade ago. So it's sort of been a surreal roller coaster and journey since then, to say the least. The work that you do is obviously a lot of people look at age, especially if it's Gen Z or if it's you know even younger. Yeah, but what I'm really um, what we really good to know is how does how did you or when would you start becoming really aware? of like, you know, social injustice and, 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 and so forth in the war. Because if, you, if you're starting something at 13, there's obviously got to be a few years leading into that where your kind of eyes are open. And most young people at that age mightn't be looking that way or that direction because yeah. they're getting on with other stuff. So yeah. where does that come from? Well, first, I would say that my eyes are still opening, right? I'm still learning uh, and, and getting mad about new things every single day. Um, I don't know that there was a period of darkness and a period of enlightenment that, you know, has a, has a quick, you know, has a hard and fast rigid line between that because I certainly don't consider myself enlightened or where I need to be quite yet or maybe ever. But you're right to, 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 to assume that obviously a bunch of things led up to me eventually starting Redefy, um, not least of which growing up American Muslim, right, um, in the 21st century and, and, and looking around at a world where not just pertaining to myself, because I, I view myself as particularly privileged and lucky in a million and one ways, but just looking around how my community was seen and how different communities are being seen in my hallways at school and realizing how often folks are being otherized, right, or made to go smaller than or lesser than and understanding that often it wasn't coming out of malice, but out of ignorance. And so far as people not knowing how to talk to people who are different than them or come from different experiences and wanting to do something about that, right? Understanding that it was likely to get worse. And, you know, the world was in a very different place 10 years ago than it is today. Social media was far more so in its nascency. And at least in my cultural context, 
far fewer people, if maybe no people were using, you know, social media in my age group at that time for political purposes or to talk about these issues. And I saw an opportunity to really tell our stories, to talk about current events, to talk about politics in regards to how policies were empowering or disempowering our communities in open and honest ways, hopefully such that we can empower our communities within our school hallways to shape and exist in more inclusive in accepting environments. Um, and so I got started with that idea that perhaps we could humanize a perception of the other through telling our own stories and, and, and build community. And, and it came out of a place of having grown up seeing people being otherized in my hallways. And I grew up at, at an all boys school and, and I grew up in a household of primarily girls. So my parents were separated when I was young. And so my understanding of rigid gender norms became much more acute when I switched schools from all boys, you know, school and lower school to a co-ed secular school in seventh grade. And it was there that I became to understand that as a boy, there were certain expectations of me um, that I didn't like, that didn't feel right, that didn't feel right for me and my peers in many cases. And I wanted to challenge that. And then I started to open my eyes to how many people were maybe being put into pegs that they did not belong. And knowing that I thought it was going to get worse in high school, I was like, I have to do something. I felt uniquely privileged, again, to do something through my access to technology, right through the fact that I was not in a position where I had to worry where next my next meal was coming from. Like I didn't have to work for money. So I got to like use my energy towards doing something that I thought maybe my community could benefit from. And I certainly made a million and one mistakes uh, along the way. Um, but I got started doing something that I believed in and was passionate about and still am passionate about. Um, and it's taken me on a journey that I um, never, never could have or would have expected. I can only imagine that age, you know, you, it would be fair to say you were just looking to do something that was going to make a difference, but you didn't know the, the scale of that difference as well. And so what, like Redefy, if you really quickly kind of sum it up and so forth, like how does the actual like logistics of it, what, do, what how does it work? Yeah. I mean, look, so I'm not super involved in Redefy at present, right? Um, and, and it's, you know, it's almost 10 years later. Um, but at the beginning, I mean, the way Redefy existed was that we, and not just for the beginning, for the majority of the time that I guess Redefies existed, right? It was an organization that we created, we wrote articles, right? Had young people tell their stories, right? And create content, right? Around current events, around identity, around stereotypes, around redefining our perspectives positively. And then we had social awareness campaigns around certain topics, right? Then different missions, depending year to year, to do advocacy around causes that we cared about. And then we also had school chapters around the world and, 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 and around the country where people would have convenings to talk about current events, to talk about these issues, and to really create community where people could feel like, you know, especially at that time, our schools were doing such a bad job talking about current events, talking about politics, maybe not at all doing it, right? And so we really created the space ourselves that looked like in my community, like, Every, every, you know, once a month on a Saturday, we'd get together and do this thing called Voices, where we would have teenagers from different schools come together and I would set it, we would set a topic and have different people lead a conversation around current events because we cared about it, it impacted us, it impacted our schooling, our energy, but there wasn't spaces to engage with it. And so we tried to create that space and to create community such that hopefully we could empower our generation uh, with more belonging, right? And, and with more equity. And of course, has taken different shapes and formats and different campaigns and events and, you know, over the years. And now I'm, I'm quite removed from it in a lot of ways. But and a lot more of my focus is on my company now. But like I said, I, I learned a tremendous amount along the way, made a ton of mistakes, but also had the tremendous fortune of working with thousands of young people from around the world who challenged me to think more critically, to be more compassionate, to be better. And, and, and they still are. 
And that would have led then probably to, you know, the next stepping stone, like in your kind of, you know, life and career as well. Would you talk about your company? Like, so yeah. Um, Consult. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So long story short, right. I started Redefy, you know, uh, when I was around 14 and it was this idea. I never expected it to take off. Right. And it did insofar as like it resonated with people and suddenly I found myself in rooms that I didn't even know existed right at 15 16 years old at the White House with industry leaders with decision makers at a very young age where I realized in many of those rooms how often conversations were happening about young people without talking to us and I became aware of the fact that they were youth experts like you know, many decades my senior. And I was like, why do they exist? Like, we can speak for ourselves, right? And I became really riled up about this idea that like, look, I had worked to my point with thousands of young people from around the world that are far smarter, cooler, more articulate, have overcome far more barriers than I. And why were they not in these rooms with me? Right? And, 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 why, and why were there not enough of us in these rooms? And so my junior year of high school, I came up with this idea with, and, and got together with some friends to act on it to say, the world looks better when diverse young people have a seat at the table. I believe this to be true. I know this to be true. And I believe that if people want to connect with diverse young people, they should work with us to do that, right? And so I had, we had this idea of Juve Consulting and, and got started with it. Um, and again, thought it'd be a small side project. Had no idea what the heck marketing was or any of this world. Just thought there should be a way that if people wanted to work to understand Gen Z, they could work with Gen Z to do that. And I felt really fortunate, again, and privileged to have a tremendous network of Gen Zers that I thought were well-equipped to do that type of work. And so got started, and here I am almost seven years later with this company being my whole damn life. And it, look, it's, I totally, I, just echoing your points as well, I think even across, not with youth, it's, it's a very common problem for people to talk about others or talk for others, but not talk with them and to them. If you go and you look to you know, contract someone or you go and look to do that. You go into a specialized expert. If it's in business or if it's in life or if it's even even it's to do with something in your house or whatever, you go and you, you talk to a specialized person. You don't pretend to know what they're going to do or you don't pretend to talk for them. Yeah. You talk, you get them to tell you the problem and how you fix it. So with with, with the conversations you have um, or with the, you know, with you consulting, is it fair to say that you will be talking to a lot of businesses corporates yes um in regards to that uh, or is this a spread wider it's definitely wider than that but no it is fair to assume that the bulk of it is with businesses um but we definitely work with nonprofits, political campaigns startups you know advocacy organizations a, a wide array of clients and partners uh and are plugged into a myriad of conversations that certainly scratch the many itches of the things that i am passionate about and care about but uh, yes, a fair bit of our work is certainly with businesses. And, and that sort of happened accidentally. That, that was, I did not start this business as an agency or as a marketing company. It so happened that that's where demand started being coming from. And so the business has evolved in that direction. But our soul as a company is still deeply purpose-driven and impact-oriented and community-oriented insofar as our hope is that our work empowers as many Gen Zers as possible. It's really interesting, though, with, with business as well. They play a massive part in everything in life. You know what I mean? And they have to, they wield a lot of power in some ways. And, but that means that power can also lead to opportunity yeah. um, as well. Do you find there's now a shift where you are seeing that businesses are really in tune with this and really coming to you before you have to go to them? And has that happened, that shift? 
You know, it's, it's a hard question to answer because the business has taken, you know, a windy road to get to where we are today. Um, and so much has changed to your point in the world, right, since we've started. Look, when I started, was it a lot harder to get in rooms? Of course, right? We were random teenagers who didn't know the first thing about marketing and, and, and did not know anyone really in, in, in the category or space. We started working with small nonprofits and small publications that we maybe met through our respective journeys. But at the same time, back then I wasn't that hungry because it was like, this was a side project. I was busy with high school and model UN and college applications and community service work and my nonprofit and like trying to be a decent friend and brother. And like, I, we weren't chasing running a huge company. We didn't, none of us wanted to do this full time. That was never the idea. The idea was like, we'll put this out there in the world. We'll see what happens. And it would probably be a semi-successful side project. It was really the idea, right? And then as the world started to wake up to the power of Gen Z, because you might remember back when we started, like in 2016, people still refer to us as millennials. Like the vernacular around Gen Z is still relatively recent, right? And with that, you know, as more people woke up to the power of Gen Z and we had a first mover's advantage insofar as we were early to talk, talking about ourselves as a Gen Z, to starting a company centered around Gen Z, people, yeah, started to knock on our door and, and to ask us to work together. And quickly we had more demand than we knew what to do with, Right. And, and now it's a bit of a different game insofar as now I have offices and employees with kids and overhead. And now, like, I need business to pay people's salaries because I want to be an ethical and responsible business leader. And so I'm hungrier than I ever was because now there are real stakes, right? In a way that before I was like, I don't like your, so I'm not going to work with you, right? And I'm busy, so I don't want to do it because... We were a nimble, agile model of only students, right? And, and, and we didn't pay ourselves as co-founders. We always paid anyone who did client labor for our clients, you know, per project. But if there wasn't projects, we never promised anyone like perpetual projects, right? Um, and so it was a very nimble, agile, different business. And now, you know, I've made commitments to people, right? And so I have a lot more responsibility. And now, of course, we have a lot more name recognition and a lot more access to rooms and a lot more people knocking on our door, but we also have much higher expenses, right? And so the two things have sort of evolved at the same time such that I don't know how to really answer the question insofar as like things have just changed and the business has changed, but I was a stressed, anxious kid then I'm in a, and I'm a stressed, anxious adult now, right? Like the, my inner turmoil, I don't know, has, has not probably changed that much. Like you have that pressure of obviously now being, you know, overseeing a company and, and the responsibilities for that. Do you feel though in your life as well from everything that you've done um, to date, you know, and as you say, like you probably think you're a little bit older, but I'd say you're very relatively young, yeah? Um, do you feel there is an, a real pressure for you and that increases on, you know, how you present yourself and, and, and what you say and, and every word that, that people might hang on and so forth? And do you feel that pressure? And can you relax at any time with that? Or do you, you know, do you have to like really be on a lot of the time? That's funny. Um, it's like a TikTok audio, right? Which is like, there's a fun fact about me. I've never, ever once relaxed, right? And, and, and I definitely really like empathize with that feeling. Like I think any of my friends or anyone close to me would tell you that I, I am good at many things. I'm bad at many things as well. But the thing that I'm probably worst at is relaxing, right? I am always anxious all of the time. And, but that's not just because of like the role that I've been. I've like always been an anxious kid. Like that's who I am in some ways. 
And I definitely hold myself to high standards. I definitely have a lot of unrealistic expectations, right? I'm definitely on this hamster wheel that I'm deeply conscious of, right? And like, I don't like that I've internalized a lot of complexes of like, you know, this like never enough mindset and, 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 and I don't like that, but I definitely feel it for sure, for sure. I've definitely probably gotten much more self-aware and much more honest to m- with myself about it as I've gotten older and am able to put it in check a little bit more. But uh, look, I don't think I'm important enough from, from that I think the world is hanging on to every word that I say. That's certainly not how I feel, to be clear. But I am somebody who fixates, right? And like whether it's on stage or in a conversation with a friend, I'm somebody who leaves any conversation and be like, could I have said that differently, Right. Could I have said that better? And so just by virtue of the fact that I am in a lot of conversations where I also have the ability to watch a lot of things back, do I constantly scrutinize the fact that I could have or should have done things differently? Yeah, right? And am I also really hopeful that to whatever extent I have platform or to whatever extent I have privilege that I use it responsibly? Yeah. And I think it's critical that I do, right? That I hold myself accountable and that I try to constantly be better and more thoughtful and more responsible, But I'm under no delusion that like anyone hangs on to the words that I say and I'm under no delusion that any word that I say will make or break me or make or break the world. But that doesn't mean that I don't hope that each word that I say is constructive, right? And that each word that I say is thoughtful. And and I'd hope that as as I get older, the ratio of thoughtful to non-thoughtful is higher, but it's still not where I want it to be. I think you're going to play yourself a little bit. I think a lot of people would look for your wars, not every war, but I think, you know, with your work and, and your voice, you know, you've been able to to, to break down some doors and, and to really get, you know, a platform, as you say, for Gen Z and young people and anyone, you know, experiencing discrimination or any kind of social injustice. So um, I think you can give yourself a bit of credit on that one, mate. You've been, you've been doing a great job. I don't with know it. about all that. I don't, I've, I've tripped and fall. I've tripped and fallen quite a number of times. If you switch it a little bit, then you think of the, the, the pressures of like Gen Z, you know, cause I, I come from a very different generation, you know, like um, where, you know, you grew up and, and we didn't have social media. Yeah. We didn't have internet your face today. Now, and I think there's positives and negatives for that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these people that goes, Oh, you know, we had it easy. So I think we, we probably missed opportunities for having stuff as well. But if you reflect on that and you think of Gen Z today, like there's a lot of pressure on young people today in the world um you know whether it's expectation whether it's that's education whether that's you know moving where they're going next whether it's just in life relationships and so forth do you do you hear that a lot and do you feel that a lot yeah i mean like look i i I am never envious of someone younger than i insofar as i think each year it becomes a more difficult world to be young and alive um i think there is so much cognizance of what other people are doing, of comparing yourself to others. And there is so much to be overwhelmed by. And there is so much to be angry at in such a broken, heavy world. And I certainly feel myself, but also in younger folks than I, like the tremendous pressure that we as a generation face insofar as, to your point, to be perfect in every regard, right? To change the world, but also to get the grades and to have the perfect relationship and to be healthy and to like, you know, every vert and to be good on the field and like to be perfect in every way, right? Because we're seeing people be perfect in everywhere, ostensibly on social media constantly and measuring ourselves up against others and simultaneously also being confronted with just how awful the world is. And so cognizant of it and, and 
some people that makes them going to overdrive and like that much more committed to change it and, and, and to surmount the odds and to be perfect. And other people, it makes us defeat it and be like, it's not even worth it. The world is awful anyway, and you can never win. And I think it's, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of pressure and weight that I think so many of us are carrying. I don't think it's just Gen Z. I think especially post-pandemic, so many people have really contemplated to what extent are they living fulfilling lives and to what extent are they happy? And I think for a lot of people, the answer is they're not. And for a lot of people, the answer is they are perpetually overwhelmed or perpetually not feeling good enough. And these realities of the world that we're living in are not exclusive to Gen Z, but I think them being exacerbated by life stage is certainly a real, a reality that we have to contend with. And the mental health crisis of young people is no secret, right? And certainly pronounced and profound and it's something that we and I think about a lot. And it certainly keeps me up at night because I think it requires a radical reimagination of how society operates to meaningfully work towards better that I'm not sure the political will exists to reorient around, but we need it to. And so the answer is yes. Um, The pressure is everywhere and always, but what I am trying to learn myself and, and maybe also evangelize to whatever extent to your point, maybe people are interested in listening to whatever I have to say, um, is this idea that I think is, uh, when I was younger, uh, I, I thought of myself often as like, you're either everything or you're nothing, right? What I mean by that is like, I had to get perfect grades and, 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 and get into the college and, 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 and get the relationship and, and have the perfect friends and be the perfect, you know, this and that and that and that and that and that, right? And if any one of these things, I got that bad grade or I lost a friend or whatever it might be, I was like, I failed. Like, I am a failure. Like, none of it was worth it. And now I'm trying to lean into this mindset of, like, I will never be everything. I don't even want to be everything, right? But I'll also never be nothing. Like, if I all I have is my mom, I have her, and that is something, and it is worthwhile, right? And, like, I am just something. Like, I used to, like, believe with a lot more conviction that I would change the world, and now I'm not so sure. I don't know that I will change everything or that I can change anything, but I know that I'll die trying. Right. And like, I am something, right. I am trying. And like, all I hope my eulogy says is that he tried, he tried his best, right. I don't need it to say that I succeeded at a single thing because I don't know that I can or that I will, but all I have is my integrity and effort. And like, that's enough, right. That has to be enough. And so that's how I am trying to process this amount of pressure. And I'm not, I don't know that I've convinced myself of those things that I just said yet, but I'm on my way. I hope. Yeah, and time will, will give you, you know, give you that as well. You know, I think time and, 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 and growing in life is is a is a fascinating thing. And I've you know, I've reflecting back to when I was twenty three and what you were like, I, you know, had wasn't doing anything you were doing, but I was doing different things. And I think the shift or the reframing of, you know, where we can be celebrating imperfection and people teaching people that, you know, imperfection is 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 okay like it is fine you know what i mean there's lots of landings in that and it's also a lot of comfort in that and it also can make you just take down a level or two and just you know take the pressure off as well um and it, it, i see it all the time with young people i work with as well it's just that that pressure to succeed or to be what people think they should be or who they think they should be even yeah and it's like you don't probably know yet who you should be i mean I'm, I'm far less sure today of who i should be than i was when i was 14 when I was 14, I thought I knew exactly who I wanted to be and who I was. And now I have a lot more questions than I have answers. And, and I, where I used to be searching for answers, I am now searching for peace with knowing that I will never know. 
Should we know what we want to be at 14 or what we should do? No, I don't think we should. But I think that I felt that I did. Right. I think that it was it was it was easier than to believe to the point that I just made that I could do everything, that I could change it all. And so I was so certain that I would. And then in growing up and realizing that I can't, that it's a lot harder than I ever perhaps realized to do anything, let alone everything. I'm not so sure about anything, right? And and I I do wish that if I could talk to my younger version of myself, that I would I would tell him, don't be so sure about anything, and and, and instead search for a peace with not knowing. Like I'm no long I'm not in a mindset now of like oh one day I'll have it figured out. My mindset is, I hope the day comes where I no longer have the itch to figure it out. Yeah. And other people will be figuring, trying to figure it out too. Anyway, so I think a lot of people are still trying to figure it out. So it doesn't always fall on that one show. And it is an overwhelming task to think of as well. And on that point, like if you look at Geo of Consulting, like what does the future look for that, like short term and long term? Where's the, the vision on that? I mean, to the point I just made, like your guess is as good as mine. Like, I, look, I can't predict the future. Um, and I, I'm done trying to predict the future. But look, what I hope the company, you know, goes is look, I hope that we empower as many young people as possible. I hope that we have a much larger cultural impact and get to do work that we're really proud of that meaningfully like inspires folks and like provokes conversations in, in, in constructive ways. And that we get to work with clients to like redistribute a lot of the tremendous resources they have to organizations, to young people, to causes, to, to mediums that, that we think are important that shed light on things that we think are meaningful. Um, and I hope that Juve becomes a model of what business we're doing business differently looks like. I hope that Juve becomes an example of the fact that diverse young people can be leaders right now, not tomorrow. And that, you know, inspires a legacy of the fact that your vice president of marketing can be 22 right now, right? Like doesn't need to be in 10 years, right? And I hope that our company forces people to rethink the role of the young person in the workforce, forces people to reevaluate the idea of a primary source being the best source because it is. And I think we forget that along the way. We learn that in second grade and then start defending on tertiary sources instead of, instead of meaningful conversation and community. And I hope that we have an impact of really compelling people to re-engage, right, with meaningful conversation and community building with the primary source and to elevate leaders from diverse communities into leadership positions right now in present tense, such that things aren't trying to be authentic. They just are, right? Because the people who are doing the thing look like the people that you're trying to talk to, right? Um, and so my hope is, is a cultural impact and, and a business impact of hopefully getting to shift the things a little bit in the direction that we want them to go and that we can, can, can prove that we are capable and creative and compassionate and that that can still be really successful. I'm not sure I get that right every single day, but to my point around my eulogy, I, I hope that we're trying our best. When we talk then and we look at the, the next generation, which is what, Alpha? Yeah. There's Alpha, the generation after generation. Two. So right. if you think about this, right, that's 2010, correct me if I'm wrong, it is 2010, born in and around 2010 and after. So they would be coming up to now, more, I've got three kids. So one of my kids, two of my kids. How old are, are your now. kids? So I've got like, I've got um, the eldest is 14. And I've got then my 12-year-old daughter. So I've got a 14-year-old daughter, 12-year-old daughter, and I've got a 10-year-old son. Okay, so like very on the cusp of Gen Z and Alpha. Yeah. 
Correct. Yeah, yes. correct. Very much. Yeah, very much so. And if you think then of Alpha, right, and you think about even yourself, right? So at 13, you were looking at Redefy. But before that, you were, you know, you know, you were beginning to be really social conscious and, and so forth, and looking around the world at what's going on. So if you think about that, that's now at that age, you know, so these, these young people are now coming into that age, you know, to be, to, to be able to do that. Are you having conversations with people like that? Are you seeing that now? Yeah, um, or... yeah. Tremendously so. Like I give speeches to, you know, high schoolers and middle schoolers. And I do this activity where I ask kids to write down one thing that they would change about the world. And one thing they can do tomorrow to start changing that thing. And it can be as small as, 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 as dress code and as big as climate change, right? Um, and each year that I do this activity, I, I continue to be absolutely blown away by the answers, right? Like, had you done this activity when I was 13, 14, we would have written things like, you know, world peace, you know, gender equality, right? These were things that we were conscious of and familiar with. And, 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 you know, I have kids now telling me about genome editing or, you know, and I have kids now telling me about specific water rights in, in different tribal regions of the Amazon, right? And I have, you know, kids so articulately passionate about such hyper-specific, really salient issues in ways that I was certainly not conscious of when I was 13 and 14. I didn't have the vocabulary to talk about a lot of these issues when I was 13, 14, right? And I, I am certainly seeing, you know, when we look at applications for Juve Consulting, people like, you know, the number of kids who've already mobilized, organized, gotten started, started something, right, gotten involved. I mean, every year you see more and more and more and more kids, right? Not waiting, getting started right now and taking action. And on one hand, it's incredibly inspiring and encouraging. On the other hand, you hope that it doesn't burn them out and, and you hope that they don't lose that zeal and you hope that it doesn't mean that they haven't gotten to live their youth, right? And you also hope that it comes from a good place rather than because of some sort of cookie cutter mold of what people think perfection looks like, right? I, I had hoped that any activating comes from a real place of trying to resolve a pain point as opposed to trying to check off something off on a checklist, right? Um and so it's always a, 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 a push and a pull there. And when I talk to a lot of young people who ask me for advice, I'm like, I'm not qualified to give you advice, right? Like, I wouldn't do what I did again. I wouldn't recommend anyone follow in my footsteps. But I also don't know enough about you to give you advice. I think you need so much context to give someone helpful advice. But I, what I would say is in my own journey, if I look back, I do regret that I spent more times I spent more time on stages calling myself young and not enough time being young. And, and I won't get that back. And, and, and I do hope that we don't lose the zeal, right? Because we burned ourselves out at the onset. You know, it was one of the things I was going to ask was about your, you know, your childhood, like coming through them years and what was maybe not lost, but maybe missed. You know what I mean? Maybe if, if it's the word, right? But People do that in different stages of their lives. And I can reflect back and say, well, I had that part of my life where I was very much, you know, being free and easy. And I had this part of my life where I had to catch up and I had to like, it really consumed me. So it's really interesting what you say. It's not necessarily, I think, aligned to, you know, there could be stages where you might miss there, 
but you might be really able to capitalize in other areas where other people in life have been through and are kind of looking back and go, what happened there for them 10 years? Because I certainly can see that, you know, is that, that's just a, just a, something that as you were speaking, I was realizing. Yeah. I mean, look, I, one thing that I certainly, like I graduated from college a year and a half ago and something that I certainly felt was like, wow, like I work more than it was healthy, right? Did not sleep enough, right? Really burned the candle at all ends of the stick. And my mom would always tell me, like, you can't burn the candle at all ends of the stick. Like, you need to calm down, you need to chill out, and you have a long life ahead. And it wasn't until I graduated from college that I was like, wow, like, I used to orient myself on these four-year timelines. I had to do all of it before I go to college, before I graduate. And once I graduate, I was like, wow, there's 80 more years of this, maybe? That's a long time. Like, what was I working so maniacally for, right? And... I do think to your point, like this idea that, and it comes back to this everything, nothing mindset, right? Like I think pacing yourself is really important. And, and I think there is this thing about this moment that we're living in that almost feels impossible to pace yourself because this pressure is so palpable. And I certainly have done a really shitty job at pacing myself. And, and I am tired all of the time. And I run on raw adrenaline. I don't drink coffee. And I don't have as much adrenaline as I did when I was 14. And so I do wish that I... Uh, I didn't maybe expend it as much as I did then, so I'd have a little bit more now. Self-reflection is, is, is really important, I think, in, in everyone's life. And, and to be able to have that self-reflection at, at, at a time in your life is, is good. Sometimes it's a bit too late for people. Sometimes, it, you know, the self-reflection comes because it's gone too far. And also to stop and have a look, you know, gratitude's a big thing and to see what they've already achieved. And, and that doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be amazing. It just has to be important to them, you know, um, as well. So, you know, I'm sure you... You don't, people don't see it around you. you. You notice it in yourself. And But I hope you do, you know, and get that time sometimes to just relax and, and do look after yourself. No, yeah, I, I've definitely gotten better. No, and the people around me definitely encourage, definitely encourage me uh, every single day to take more of a deep breath and to be kind to myself. Um, but I've definitely gotten better at being kind to myself as I've gotten older and, and, and to your point, more self-reflective and, and perhaps self-aware. Is there anything next new or is it just just consolidation at the moment? Just continue doing what you're doing? No, there's definitely a number of things that we're hoping to launch at Juve in 2023 to look out for. Uh, you know, we're going to be really building out a lot of our media properties and, and, and newsletters and things of that nature that we're excited about. And we're going to be working on some events that we're excited about. And so there's definitely some net new things we're working on that I'm excited about internally at Juve Consulting and and. and I guess like spiritually, I I hope that 2023 and as I get older, I think there's often this maybe presumption that in looking at me, I started a company when I was 16. I started a nonprofit when I was like 14, right? Like I've been, you know, sort of on this hamster wheel that, that, that has been rooted in confidence and or like unafraidness. But the reality is I'm, I'm a pretty fearful person. I'm a pretty risk averse person. Um, I am hopeful that in the next year to live a life less run by fear um, and more run by hope and optimism. Uh, I think the poorest decisions I've ever made were out of fear and the best decisions I've ever made are out of optimism. And that isn't to say that I'm not still scared and angry about a million and one things like I am. And I think I'm right to be on many of them, but I hope to not be guided in my decision-making by, by that fear. And I think I'm moving closer to being that person who's a little bit less scared all the time, inch by inch. And so I'm looking forward to that and being a newer, better version of me. 
And I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to New Zealand, as I think I may my assistant may mention to you by email. I don't know if we mentioned this. Yes, but uh, New Ze I'm going to New Zealand with my friends for my birthday in January, and we're, I'm taking time off from work formally, and I am very excited about that. Into spend time with some of my best friends in such a beautiful place. And so I'm very look, much so forward, looking forward to that. How about you? What are you excited about? I think I've got to, you know, I think I'm going to take some time off. I think it's been really important for me. I, I recognize in myself that I've probably pushed too hard over the last two years, you know, to be everything for everyone. And by doing that, I probably haven't, you know, been everything for myself. You know what I mean? That's not in a selfish way. I just think I've kind of reflected on that. I think I need a, a break and I think I need to kind of have a look at, you know, what's important to me going forward. And I think I need to spend time with my family. And I think I just need to get back to doing simple things like that. Yeah. That give me a lot of, you know, um, wholesomeness. That give me a lot of, you know, love and joy in the world. And I think sometimes I've pushed through other things because I'm, you know, just extremely ambitious and I'm constantly, my mind is constantly moving as you kind of alert the two in yours. It minds like that doesn't really stop. Yeah. And I know I'm built that way and I yeah. accept it. But I don't know if, if, if everyone else should accept it or it should be pushed on to everyone else. So I think that's for me a bit of what I think about. And like one of the big things this year is I'll be launching this podcast. And that's one of the things that I've been really excited yeah, about. Yeah, that is something exciting. that I've done myself, for myself, you know what I mean? And and I think that it's been such an amazingly beautiful thing to do because I meet people like yourself and Seth and other amazing people. And it's really helped me to kind of, you know, to sit back and listen and, and just you know, I love learning, I love being curious, but also it kind of makes me reflect a little bit. So I think 2023 for me is a little bit of slow it down a little bit, have a bit of a think about what's important to you and see how you can then, you know, maybe take the next step in, in, in your life. And that could be, you know, career-wise, it could be something like obviously podcast-wise, but something maybe a bit new and different. Yeah, I love that. I'm excited for you. Before we go, um, Obviously, we spoke about the, you know, the the concept of the podcast, and uh, and you don't get off the hook too easy, mate. Because once you're in here, you're um, you know, you're part of it and part of this movement that I call, and and like you know, we're all kind of links in the chain to to get me to the ultimate, probably the last guest, not the ultimate guest, my last guest, um, of the season will probably be, which is Barack Obama. So, I ask every guest, um, and everyone's been amazing to do this for me to to think of someone who they feel could be my next guest. And, you know, to nominate them and to help connect me to them so that they, uh, you know, understand the, the concept of what I'm trying to do and, and understand, you know, the conversations we've had and what I'm trying to achieve, which is really about just sharing, shining a light on people's, you know, causes um, around the globe. So you don't have to give me a name, but if you want to think about that and um, someone that, yeah, you yeah. think would be good for me to talk to, but also one step closer. I feel very lucky to have a tremendous community around me. And I have a few names that are already percolating to the top of my mind. So I'm going to think about which one makes the most sense. Um, and then I'll shoot that over your way uh, once I've crystallized on the name specifically. But I love the concept. I'm excited to, 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 to keep the chain going. So appreciate that. I so appreciate your time as well. No, oh, thank you. I wish you nothing but the best in, you know, Likewise. going forward in, in your work that you do. I find it really inspiring and, and really important. And uh, I look forward to staying connected to you and in, uh, in the future and, and and hopefully continue to have some more conversations down the line likewise i really really appreciate you and your time and your kindness and your energy uh and very much so love the concept of what you're working on uh and, and and excited to to stay updated in 2023 and beyond so thank you thank you for having me and um yeah i hope you have a wonderful holiday season ahead yeah you too you too thanks mate if you enjoyed listening to this podcast please subscribe and share if you want to follow me on instagram or on twitter you will see the handles in the show notes 
This podcast was produced and edited by Mick Cronin.